Welcome to Time to Market, a podcast by Lean B2B and SK Murphy, where we share principles, actionable advice, and rules of thumbs for B2B founders. This week, we take a look at our first season. We talk about what we learned during the podcast, what we hope listeners got from the conversations. We also highlight four teams we feel stood out from the first season. Entrepreneurship as a career, the importance of conversations, how to evaluate progress as a founder, and how to survive. We hope you enjoyed the last episode of the first season. Good morning, Etienne. It's episode 12. It's the end of season one. And we wanted to look back over what we had covered and kind of what we had learned. And I wanted to start with our promise for the series, which was we wanted to explore the realities of entrepreneurship with a focus on B2B startups. We wanted to offer actionable insight, principles in their application, and rules of thumb. What did you take away from this first season? I took away a lot of different things in terms of just the challenges of producing a weekly podcast, just more of the uh, technical aspects of being on a treadmill for production to some extent, having to come up with interesting things to say, be able to structure it, be able to edit the podcast and put it all together. Been a rewarding journey. It's been an interesting journey as well. And there's been a lot of challenges in terms of making sure that the content kind of comes out with the expected value that we feel the discussions I've had. What about yourself? Yeah, I've learned a lot from doing this. I think each episode I come back, there's been one or two things at least that either you said or that emerged from the interplay or the dynamic that I found very insightful. I think we've been good at speaking more from experience and talking about practical stuff than the typical, you know, follow my rules and you'll succeed kind of entrepreneurship model. Yeah, I think one thing that we've been trying to do as well as we learned, as we got feedback, as we try to iterate and, and get better is try to make the lessons learned or the insights or the takeaways a little bit more punchy so that people can end their listening with clear actions or clear ideas that they can implement or things that they can start thinking about or discuss with their entrepreneurs. I think we did cover quite a lot of topics Like we talked about networking, we talked about AI, we talked about runway, we talked about sales, demos, we talked about a lot of different things. I think it might be good to end the season by discussing some of the, the key themes maybe that came out of some of the episodes, some of the ideas that we kept uh, drilling or we kept discussing that kept coming up. And maybe we can end the episode by talking a little bit about how we envision the next steps and, and now we actually uh, refocus a little bit moving forward. Maybe that, that could actually work as a plan. Okay. So would you want to start with maybe the first theme that came out, what you got out, out of or various conversations? Well, I think overall, I think we shared a viewpoint that entrepreneurship is more of a career, that yeah. it's something that requires a commitment to. It's a practice that requires sustained focus to achieve some level of mastery. And it's also something that you need to plan ahead for. If you intend to become an entrepreneur, it can be a good idea to start thinking or start approaching opportunities in your life and other aspects of your career from that perspective, from that viewpoint of I am intending to start up. I'd like to learn these things that I feel are skills that I'm missing. Or I'd like to view this more as a learning journey that kind of takes me in that direction. Part of the thinking around entrepreneurship being more of a career is also the idea that it might not be your first startup that succeeds. It might be the next one. It might be something else that you do in the future. So you have to somewhat look at it from the perspective of, am I setting myself up to be able to take this opportunity as far as it can take, but as well, 
maybe there's something else that I should be doing. Maybe there's something else I need to learn. Maybe there's something else along my journey that can help elevate my ability to build the kind of business that I'm trying to do in the future. So there's a there's a journey in, into self-discovery as an entrepreneur, but also the specific experience that you're having as an entrepreneur. I think that perspective allows you to reframe a lot of work experience as assembling building blocks for what it is you want to do. So you can be working for somebody else, but you can be gathering experience and learning skills that you can then repurpose. I also think entrepreneurship for many people is to some extent involuntary. I think they have a, they have a natural inclination to it and to the extent that they recognize it and then prepare themselves, they can make smaller mistakes in other contexts before they're in their own startup and those have a much higher cost. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely that thinking that sometimes the opportunities will be there now. And if you are attempting to capitalize on these opportunities, you might not have the required knowledge. So sometimes that means it's good to have a coach, it's good to have other people to assist you in there. And sometimes you do have the experience, but the ideas are not necessarily there. So there's that old idea of how everything works together. If I look back at some of my startup experience, my first startup, we made such simple mistakes that today I would never make knowing so much more, but at the same time, the opportunity felt like this was the moment to take on the opportunity of the business. So it's, it's that tricky idea of, of embarking on the journey while still learning, while being in a situation where you will need to stretch your current knowledge, your ability to become the type of entrepreneur that you're trying to do. So, so it's good to some level zoom out of that to understand that this is also a journey of self-discovery, a journey of learning and, and knowledge and becoming an entrepreneur as well as it is the current experience that you're in within the entrepreneurship. I went to a talk by Doug Hall back in about 2006, came out here. He's the jumpstart your business brain guy. And he talked about it. He was part of a group that was planning to take a, for want of a better word, a vacation to, I think the Arctic circle. And so they were preparing for this journey. And one of the things that they made him do was what happens if you get wet in the Arctic? And that turns out to be a very dangerous situation. They had him up in Minnesota, which is not the Arctic, because it's still pretty damn cold, go into the water, get wet, and then they had to roll in the snow, put this huge snow blanket around him, which actually keeps you warmer, and then run for 90 minutes so that internally his body heat would gradually drive the water out of his clothes. And I think that's in a sense, you're trying to practice for the rigors of what it means to run your own startup. Before you're actually, if the first time you do that, you're actually in the Arctic, probably going to die, right? And so to some extent, understanding what the real challenges are and how to prepare for them, I think is something we've tried to do this season to point out the key challenges. Yeah, yeah. And I do think from that perspective, there's an interesting dichotomy to some extent where you need to be in the current moment. You need to be completely in your business. You need to be committed to the current venture that you're in. But it's also good to also understand that this is not the only way to kind of achieve your goals to some extent. Some people will start with a very precise understanding, like I've got to build a SaaS app that has got to succeed. It's got to generate this much money. It's got to be in this model and these things. And that tends to create some kind of narrowing of the vision to some extent where you may be missing out the forest for the trees, where you are not necessarily 
seeing all the opportunities of seeing all the ways to capitalize on your insights or the things that you're learning or a lot of different ways to kind of repackage or repurpose your learning. When you look at a lot of the success startup stories, there's oftentimes stories of unexpected pivots. And those often come from moments of realization that, hey, we've been working on X and Y, but actually that other thing that we've been doing is as compelling or is something that we should probably be looking at. So there's that idea of being in the moment, but at the same time, being able to take a step back and, and take yourself out of the, the current moment so you can actually evaluate how that actually fits in your career as an entrepreneur and what you're trying to achieve in terms of your goals and your startup. I think that it brings up a second point that we've explored a lot, which is the importance of conversation. I think a lot of those pivot moments, when you actually trace them, are triggered by a remark or an insight that a prospect or a customer shares with you. I think when you're inside trying to operate things according to the plan that you made when you had the least amount of information, it's hard to have these epiphanies. And I think when you're talking to strangers or you're talking to people you trust and they say, you know, have you ever considered this? And then all of a sudden the light bulb goes off and go, yeah, that, that would actually be much easier. Yeah, we, we actually had an episode on startup posters. I feel getting out of the building and speaking to prospects, to some extent, it's kind of become a poster more than an actual activity that drives results. You will speak to people in accelerators or incubators, and they're being asked to do a certain amount of interviews each month or each week or whatever it is. And that is not necessarily conducive to getting full value from the engagement with the prospects. I think a lot of the things we talked about were about more creating relationship or building a relationship with different types of prospects, especially in B2B. The more proximity you can have with prospects, be it people that you know, people that are in your network, people that are advisors, people that are prospects and different people in organizations, the greater the likelihood that you will, as you mentioned in a different episode, you will become lucky. You will find a way to kind of find your way because you'll be able to get different points of view and you'll be able to enhance your perspective, enhance your understanding of the market that you're in, the, the opportunities that are available and understand everything a little bit better. So just the idea of creating genuine connections with people in, inside organization is, is sometimes obfuscated by some of these ideas of just to get out of the building and try to speak to as many people as possible. Don't build any relationship. Don't do anything like that. You need just to speak with people. That's the goal. And it's not the essence that Steve Blank, for example, intended, but it, it's often the way it's kind of been shaped inside a, a lot of startups. Yeah, I, I think to the extent that you start to look at prospects as lab rats you're experimenting on, you're falling into a trap and you say, I've got to get 12 interviews done this week so I can get to my 100. It becomes a check in the box exercise. I thought you made two really good points in the networking episode. The first was you're actually looking for synergy. You're looking for relationships that are going to benefit the other person and benefit yourself. And you have to remain human. You have to remain open to real connection if you're actually going to learn. One of the effects of these conversations is going to be to not only change the other person and give them new perspectives on what's possible, but also change your perspective of what's possible or what you should be doing. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of things that are kind of embedded in this as well, like just building this habit of trying to understand what's a win for that person and what's a win for me and where are the possible synergies between different people is just good habit. It's just a good way to approach networking specifically or 
finding co-founders, finding customers, finding different people you want to work with. I think one thing that we did mention in a previous episode as well is to look at it also from the perspective of when you're delaying or you're postponing interacting with other humans or interacting with prospects, interacting with people on the market. There's usually something behind that. We talked about the case where people are, are going to work on their setup, like their CRM and all these things before actually starting to do proper sales. But there's the same thing when you're, you're starting to do customer development. You might look for excuses to not speak with customers, speak with prospects. But oftentimes that delay will end up hurting your startup's ability to learn. Because if you can't learn, you can't, you can't learn the right thing. You can't figure out how to actually move forward significantly with your company. So you're restricting your ability to accelerate. Yeah, I think we have this idealized vision of what's going to happen. And at some level, we understand when we go talk to 10 or 15 people, it may dissipate. And it's hard to lose how satisfying that dream was, right? I think that's one thing that people get into. The other thing I think that a lot of the larger companies that are doing qualitative research, which is the $5 word for having conversations with prospects, the researchers aren't really trying to help the people they're talking to. They're trying to write a report. They're trying to check the box and get through it. And I think entrepreneurs have to be trying to promise some kind of quid pro quo, that to be promising an exchange of value, you're going to learn something, I'm going to learn something. And it's not that I'm giving you this $25 Starbucks card or whatever. That's a very transactional view of what you're going to learn. We talked about this in the, the, the episode of networking. It does feel like there's been an acceptation of the norms that are more maybe B2C in, in some sectors of the B2B world to some extent where people are, are trying to build the relationships a little bit at arm's length without actually being engaging and trying to really understand the needs and understand the humans beyond the situations. A lot of that greater proximity or that spending time with people to really, really understand their reality is still very much valuable. I think if you're expecting to build a career in entrepreneurship, because oftentimes when people are successful in one space, they will often end up building other startups in the same space because of the value of their network and the, the things that they've learned and the things that they know and the people that they know in the space. One thing I also valued about what we did this season was that you continually stressed in a number of episodes, how do we tell if we're making progress? How does the entrepreneur, how's the founder tell, are we making progress? Just what we mentioned right now in doing interviews, like this triggers the alarm in my head of, okay, interviews, but there's got to be some sense of being able to progress as opposed to just doing interviews. Like it's a little bit of what we mentioned. Oftentimes doing interviews becomes the goal when the goal is actually not to do interviews. These are just vanity metrics to some extent, or they're, they're tasks along a continuum thing that you're trying to achieve, but the goal is progress. Yeah. I think the other significant mindset changes, at least in the beginning, you're not actually looking for the biggest market. You're looking for a market you can access that's small enough that incumbents are going to be less attracted to it, or at least your competition is going to be less. And so I think a lot of people go into interviews and they think, okay, so I'm, how do I solve the hardest problem for this person? How do I get the most money out of this transaction? And it's less about that and more about how do I build on what I and my team already know that we can apply so we can kind of pass a have done 
can-do test in terms of the prospects so that our claims are are credible because we've actually got some track record in what we're accomplishing, right? And I think a lot of people resist that narrowing of focus. They view it as a step backwards when I think it's actually real progress. Yeah, that was a good point. And I think there's sometimes this idea that that early on, everything's so fuzzy that it's difficult to really assess progress. But I think setting some of these sub goals to some extent that kind of help you understand if the specific steps that you're on, like for example, your interview process is giving you results and you're giving you information that you can use. I think that's already good understanding that you're not just wasting time or you're not just going in circle, you're actually making progress. I, I did like some of your points about this specifically, how you assess that your sales process is working, how you assess that your networking is going the right direction. We did cover that in a lot of different episodes, but just this idea of continuously refining or improving your understanding of your prospects, understanding the process of doing demos, the process of doing a sales process, the process of, of engaging with companies, the process of doing your networking. I think things should be getting sharper or more refined as you move forward because that helps inform how you uh, accelerate moving forward. I think related to that, which is another thing that first-time guys sometimes miss, is that B2B is fundamentally personal. You're going to get to know your customers. And just because they're a customer in March doesn't mean you don't want to talk to them in May and in June and a year later. This learning from customers doesn't only take place as you're getting started. It continues as they refine their understanding of their needs and as their needs change in response to implementing the solutions you're offering them. I look at this as an ongoing dialogue that has to be person to person. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a lot of issues when things become checkbox because you kind of miss out on all the value you're trying to, to get done with the interviews, but you're not actually really listening. That tends to be uh, issues sometimes that, that first-time founders will be more likely to make than people that have actually had some failures or have seen how easily we can be fooled by customers in the market or prospects in the market. It's easy to go and assume that what you've been told is money. It's, it's exactly how it is, but there's a, there's a whole thing there. There's a whole probably space for a full episode about how you tell truth from lies. You, you truly focus on the things that matter. And time after time, when you go through like postmortems, there's instances of people that fool themselves into thinking that X or Y because they were not truly listening or they were listening with an agenda. They were trying to see different patterns and information that maybe would not have been there had they truly built relationships with the prospects and tried to understand the reality from their perspective. Part of what's going on, I think, and another kind of principle that runs through a lot of the episodes is if you look at it as a career then you have to survive. You have to stay in the game long enough to get good at the game. And I think to one point you made, a lot of first-time founders think, okay, so one and done. I'm going to get this all figured out. I got this great idea. People tell me they love it. And I think serial entrepreneurs are a little more skeptical or they talk to more people or listen with more patience before they assume that their great idea, everybody is overwhelmed, right? Yeah, but if you look at it from the perspective, like I had this great idea, I start a startup, we burn out within a year, and then I go work at IBM for five years. If your idea is to be an entrepreneur, and this was not just a whim, 
at that moment, you're kind of failing unless you are actually setting yourself up in parallel of working at that big job or whatever the, the job you have to keep building assets that take you further in your journey. Whereas if you are focused on surviving, you get to keep learning. You get to keep making new mistakes. You get to have more learning moments, more ability to interact with other founders, and you can find your path from there. We did talk a lot about the, the idea of survival. Maybe those are topics that we have to deal a lot when we work with bootstrap founders. Uh, but we talked about how managing the runway is super important in terms of being able to, to give yourself more at-bats, more possibilities to keep going, different strategies to actually extend your runway. We also talked about the importance of keeping your job, if that can allow you to kind of sustain yourself initially. We talked about gating your funding so you don't actually spend all your money up front. We talked about really seeing the your venture as a serious initiative. So setting it up to kind of view it as a job as opposed to something that you just show up and it's more like a side project that you're doing. And different things that can kind of help you understand, help set your business up to survive, but also keep at the forefront or at the, the back of your head at least that survival is essential if you are going to try to succeed. I thought you made a couple of good points in the runway episode as well, episode six, which was you don't necessarily have to start with a product. You can sell outcomes and you're in the market. You're having conversations about a problem your customer has, and they can pay for a service that actually advances your understanding of what the real product has to do. So there's this question sometimes of, should I take early payment on a product? And I thought you kind of sliced that a little cleverly and said, look, why don't you just sell the outcome and see if that works and then, and then move forward from there. So there's a lot of good stuff in that episode. So if we zoom out a little bit, like, do you feel like we've hit the mark with the first season of Time to Market? We wanted to offer actionable insights, principles, rules of thumbs for founders. Do you feel like we came close to hitting the mark of what we were trying to achieve with the podcast? So when I look back over the 11 episodes, I think, yes, I think we're talking about real problems. We're talking about the realities, the emotional challenges, the dealing with the uncertainty, the terrible sense of, am I failing? Am I making a fool of myself? That you have to manage continually as part of your journey. At a number of points in a number of the episodes, and I think you also helped with this, was to say, okay, so what are the takeaways? What are the insights? I think there's a lot of practical advice packed into these podcasts. Yeah, yeah. I think that's been a little bit of a struggle in the background to try to make that even more obvious or make that come out even more as we market the podcast, as we try to pull out different elements of the, the discussion. I think we're going to keep going in that direction as we move forward to try to have more people think about the perspectives and think about some of the, the insights and the ideas that we share in the podcast. We talk about narrowing the focus or narrowing the positioning. What do you feel is the division or the idea of what you see if we're moving forward with the podcast? So I think there's a lot left about B2B that we haven't covered that's not well appreciated. I think at that level, that's a good focus. I think there's commonalities with startups and companies that are launching a product into a new market where it's not just an extension, but it's a new thing that I think is adjacent but related. 
the issues of having to learn, having to have conversations with strangers to learn faster and learn better. There's quite a bit there. We've also talked about how to play a faster game. Most of the time when you're not the incumbent, you have to be recognizing opportunities before the larger players do, or you have to be recognizing things that are opportunities for you that they may not view as opportunities because they have a market size hurdle rate or they have other requirements that you can essentially slide underneath their criteria. So I think there's quite a bit for a season two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there are just probably two teams that I kind of locked in on. I feel there's a lot of content for startups, for example, or for kind of a generic idea of like a general persona of an entrepreneur. There's not a ton of content on specifically the reality of the specific founder. And be it like a startup will often have multiple founders and they have their own unique perspectives. So I think there's some elements in there of how do I fit within that startup that is quite interesting. I think if we summarize some of the content that we put together, I think we are breaking some of the conventional wisdom and kind of highlighting some elements where it's wrong or where it's it's too high level of assessment or there's, there's gray zones. And to some extent that kind of what I've been doing with my books, where you're in a situation where there's only a generic idea of what you should be doing in the situation, or you're at the impasse, you're, you're in a situation where it's difficult to know what to do. It's just making that a little more clear and helping people see a little bit beyond the startup posters to understand the specific situations they're in and, and find solutions to their actual problems that they're facing. Yeah, I think as part of season two, I think you've got a lot of content in the books You've abstracted from case studies and from uh, your research that would make for interesting points of departure for episodes in the second season. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of ground for exploration and, and for joyful conversations in the future. We will make this way more TikTok friendly in the future. So we might do some dances coming up in the next few months. We hope you guys keep in loop and we will be in touch for a second season in the near future. In the meantime, if people have any feedback, any ideas, any suggestions for coming episodes, they can send it at? Oh, at LeanB2B on Twitter or at SK Murphy. Thank you for your Perfect. time. Perfect. And we'll see you guys in future episodes. Thanks for listening. That's it for season one. We hope you enjoyed the content so far. Please share any ideas, feedback, or suggestions with me or Sean by email or on Twitter. We'll keep promoting the content and start planning for season two. 